Hillbilly Horror Stories presents Eerie Encounters. Three stories from Kathy. Early childhood. The hand. My first memory of something paranormal happened when I was only three years old. My sister was almost two years old. We shared a bedroom. She slept in a crib on one wall. My twin bed was on the other side of the room. The bed was tucked into a corner, the foot of the bed facing the door, which led out to the hallway. The living room was close to our room, and I could hear her mom and dad talking quietly in there as they watched TV. Mom had tucked us in and left the door open a crack so that they could hear us if anything was going on. I remember looking at the shape of the light from the hallway as it framed the door. To my surprise, the door opened slightly, and the more light poured into the room, the shape of a black hand floated gently into the room. It looked larger than my parents' hands, and it was pitch black. I wasn't afraid, just curious as to what was happening. I watched the hand float over to my sister's crib, descend towards her, and start tickling her. I heard her giggle just a little. After she giggled, the hand ascended and turned towards me. I was too young to think that this was weird, and I waited to see what was going to happen. I got tickled, too. Then the hand vanished. The hand made multiple appearances, and the sequence of events was always the same. I want to say that this went on for about a year. My sister and I shared our experience with our parents a few times over the course of our childhood slash adolescence, but they didn't really want to hear it. More than 50 years later, she and I still remember our nocturnal friend. My teen years, Aunt Ida. My parents separated when I was 13. Dad bought a little house close to the university where he worked, and my sister and I went to live with him for a while. The house was a simple row home. You hopped up a couple of steps from the curb outside, through the front door, and into the living area. Straight through that room, you'd find yourself in the kitchen in the back. If you went back to the front door and turned up the stairs... You'd find three bedrooms and a bathroom in the back over the kitchen below. At the top of the stairs was the room that Dad used. He had to walk through it to get to the bathroom. Turn around the stair rail and my room was on the right. Continue walking down the hall and you'd find my sister's room. Her door right across the hall from a closed door that led up to a staircase into the attic. My poor sister. If I'd been a better person, I would have offered to trade rooms with her. But I was a selfish brat. I liked my room, as it had a window that led out to the upstairs porch, and I could sneak out my bedroom window and smoke a ciggy every now and then. The house was built in the late 1800s. Big windows allowed a lot of light into the rooms. Even so, the house always felt cold. We didn't even use air conditioners in the summer. Thank you, energy-saving ghosts. As a teenager, I would work at a folk festival held a couple of blocks from our house for a couple of weeks in the summer. I'd sell watermelon and corn on the cob, while forced to wear something that looked like I walked out of a Holly Hobby picture. Bonnet, gingham dress, white apron, ridiculous. Imagine a teenage Holly Hobby smoking ciggies on her break from selling produce to tourists. 
That was life in the 80s, lol. Anyhow, while walking around the fairgrounds on a break, I stumbled upon a vendor selling antique pictures. Probably photos that they picked up at estate sales, etc. One picture captured my attention, though. It was a photo of a woman, probably in her early 30s, wearing her dark hair and a severe bun on the top of her unsmiling face. She wore a simple but well-made dark dress with a high collar. Something about this image fascinated me. I took a couple of dollars out of my apron pocket, and that photo went home with me after work that day. I explained the layout of the house earlier to help you better understand what happened next. For some reason, I decided to name the picture Aunt Ida. I showed my dad the photo, as he loves history too. I told him that I had named her Aunt Ida, and he laughed. Turns out my father, now 86, really did have an Aunt Ida. Why he didn't tell me this at the time, I have no clue. The picture hung out in my bedroom for the rest of the afternoon. I started to feel uneasy. I wasn't afraid of the picture, but as I studied the woman's expression, I decided to get her out of my room. Since I loved antiques, I couldn't throw her away. I can't explain my behavior, but I took her picture and set it over the light switch at the bottom of the stairs leading to the attic. The metal switch box was affixed to the wooden stud, and it created a nice perch for Aunt Ida. This is when things started to happen. The house, which had always been cold, now started to feel a heaviness that it hadn't before. Dad was at work a lot, so my sister and I were at home most of the time. I had a boyfriend. I was 16 now, so I was sometimes gone too. My poor sister. I remember coming home from a date, and she met me at the door in tears. I asked her what was wrong, and she told me that she heard voices up in the attic. They were like hushed whispers, but really loud. She couldn't tell what they were saying. She fled her room, flew down the steps, and waited in the living room for me to get home. Pretending to be a badass, I opened the door to the attic and looked up into the darkness. I flicked on the light, half expecting to see some kind of ghoul at the top of the steps flying down and screaming in my face. Thankfully, any spirits that were in the home were kinder than that. I went up the steps while my sister waited at the bottom. I looked around at the empty space, all the wood beams on the walls, no windows. I thought, please don't scare her. She's been through enough. I felt a charge of energy at the base of my spine. I took a deep breath, went back down the stairs, turned off the light switch, and closed the door. I didn't sleep well that night. The following afternoon, I was washing dishes in the sink. It was a double sink. I was using the left side to wash and put the rinse side in the draining rack on the right side of the sink. On the counter to the left of the sink were dishes that were waiting to be washed. I reached for a tall glass to put in the dishwasher, and the glass flew away from me. The counter was completely dry. There was no water on the surface that could have caused the glass to move like that. It simply flew in the opposite direction from my hand, wobbled, and stopped. I was gobsmacked. I wiped my hands on the dish towel and went upstairs to the attic door. I opened the door and took the picture of Aunt Ida off of the light switch. As I looked at the picture, I had this idea that maybe I'd brought something into the house that I had no right to. In my immature mind, maybe taking an image of a woman who lived about a hundred years ago into my home and using it for some silly entertainment was disrespectful. 
As I stared at the picture, I asked for forgiveness in my mind. I asked that whoever was sharing the home with us, please know that I didn't mean anything bad. I returned the photo to its perch on the switch. Things seemed to calm down a little after that, but the heaviness in the house never really left. I'm happy to report that my parents reconciled, and by the time I started college in another state, my sister no longer had to live in that house. Dad rented it to a group of female students for a year, and they reported that there were lamps being knocked over, lights flickering, etc. Apparently, Aunt Ida didn't think that they were ladylike, either. Early Adulting, Pop-Pop's Visit It was 1990, my son's father and I had purchased a little working-class Victorian home in a small town steeped in colonial history. Our son had just turned three years old. His dad and I met in college. It was young love. We were married and aspiring to be middle class and take good care of our boy. My husband had enjoyed playing in a bar band during college, and even after we moved over a 100 miles from this band... He started making weekend trips to play gigs back in the college town where we first met. This was the story. A sinking feeling told me that he was strumming more than just a guitar in his outings. As my husband became increasingly detached, I became depressed. I found myself crying myself to sleep one Friday night after checking in on my son, who was snuggled and sleeping peacefully in his bed. A few hours later, I had a dream. At least that's what I think it was. It was nighttime and the house was shrouded in dark. Barefoot and in my nightgown, I was standing at the bottom of the staircase, facing the front door to the house. The door was solid wood, surrounded by decorative glass panes flanking its top and sides. The purpose of the panes was to allow natural light into the entryway. Suddenly, a brilliant light began pouring through the panes. Warm light lit up the space around the dark door. I heard a friendly knock on the door. Even before I unlocked the door and opened it, I knew who had come to see me. It was my Pop-Pop. That's the name I called my paternal grandfather. He appeared as a young man, wearing his World War II Army uniform. He said, Hey, kiddo. I came to see how you're doing. I was filled with emotion. I was so happy to see Pop-Pop, but also confused. He had passed away when my son was still a baby. I welcomed him inside, and we walked into my living room. Pop-Pop took his cap off and set it down on the coffee table. There sat Pop-Pop's mother's sofa and chair. My parents had given them to me as a wedding gift. He smiled as he looked at my mother's furniture. He turned and walked over to the photo that I had of my then three-year-old son on the roll-top desk. He picked it up, studied it, placed it back gently, and turned to me. I felt nothing but love for my grandfather. He smiled and said, I came to tell you how incredibly proud I am of you, kiddo. Don't be so hard on yourself. You're doing better than you think, and I love you so very much. I held back tears as I blurted out, I love you too, Pop-Pop. I miss you so much. It was at that point that I realized that Pop-Pop had passed a year or so earlier. I said, Pop-Pop, you can't be here. He grinned and said, Kiddo, 
I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be right now. He vanished, and I woke up in my bed with a gasp. I saw a bright flash of light implode in on itself on the front of the bed as I tried to make sense of what was happening. I got out of bed, I checked on my sleeping son, and I sat back down on my bed, trying to process what had happened. Eventually, I started to relax and I got back under the covers. As I laid my head on the pillow, I said, Thank you, Pop-Pop, and I fell back to sleep. I honestly believe that this was a visitation from my grandfather, encouraging me to stay the course and continue to work to give myself and my son a good life. Pop-Pop's parents divorced when he was very young. He was raised by his mother, the woman whose furniture sat in my living room. Maybe he knew I came from stronger genes than I had given myself credit for. Whatever the reason, Pop-Pop's visit gave me the nudge I needed to move forward for myself and my son, who grew up to become an awesome guy. I'd like to think that Pop-Pop is proud of him, too. You have been listening to Hillbilly Horror Stories Presents Eerie Encounters. If you have an eerie encounter that you would like read on the show, please send it to hillbillyhorrorstories at gmail.com.